Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Hi, and Happy New Year. My name is Angela Lenz, and I'm one of the executive pastors here at Hope. I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas, that you got to spend time relaxing and resting with the people that you love. Christmas is one of my favorite times of year. I love everything about it. I love the lights, the decorations, the movies. Especially, as a kid though, I loved the presents. I know, it's not very Christian of me, but we were all that way as kids, right? As a kid, I even tended to judge Christmas on based on like what kind of gifts I got. So, for instance, the year that I got a Cabbage Patch doll, that was a 10 out of 10. That was a very good year. Then there was the year my aunt walked in with two cat carriers telling us she had very special surprises for each of us kids. And as she carried them in, I thought my life stream is going to be answered and I'm going to get the kitten I always wanted. Only to be handed some socks that were folded in the shape of a cat. That was a little bit of a bummer of a Christmas. I remember one Christmas specifically when I was 10 years old, I begged my parents for this Victorian porcelain doll. I don't even know why I wanted the doll. It wasn't very practical, wasn't very useful. I mean, I was 10 years old. I I, I don't know, I was on the edge of not even playing with dolls, but I begged them for this doll. We get to Christmas morning and I start opening up gifts and I'm opening them and opening them. And the next thing you know, I realize the gifts are starting to disappear and I haven't opened my doll yet. And I start stealing myself for recognizing like, okay, you're probably not gonna get this doll. And then I try to talk myself out of wanting the doll. You probably weren't good enough this year. You don't deserve it. Like you have a bunch of younger sisters, it was expensive. You don't need that doll. You don't need anything like that. And so I kind of braced myself for not getting this doll. Painted a smile on my face. We finished opening all of our gifts. And as I started gathering all my gifts together to take to my room, the next thing you know, my dad walks in with one last gift and said, oh, this one must have been left in the closet. And he smiled kind of knowingly at my mom and set it down in front of me. Imagine my sheer happiness when I opened this gift and saw the doll that I wanted and had convinced myself I didn't deserve or need. You can bet that Christmas was a 10 out of 10. I think sometimes we tend to use this same logic and with God. When things are good, God is good. But when things are bad, we kind of go, well, where, where is God? But is God limited to or defined by our circumstances? I think we have to know a few things about God to answer that question. The Bible defines God, God's goodness in two ways. Um, one has to do with his character and the other focuses on his actions. Psalms 119.68 captures both when it says, of God, you are good and you do what is good. The first part of that focuses on the fact that the very nature of God is good. Think about it. God is the original definition of good in and of himself. That's what Jesus meant when he said in scriptures, no one is good but God. We call all kinds of things good. We say that steak was really good or that movie was so good or she's such a good friend. But all that we call good on earth is tainted and imperfect without truly understanding God alone is goodness himself. 
How do we see the true character of a person? Well, we see that by their actions. That's how we can know we can trust the character of a person when their actions line up with their words. So the second strand of that definition for God's goodness concentrates on what he does. And the Bible is chock full of story after story of God's goodness, of his mercy, of his love, of his faithfulness. God is disposed to give human beings even more than we deserve. The Bible says those are actually his thoughts of us, that we are the object of his affection. And because of his divine nature of goodness, his love is constant and faithful even when we are not. But maybe that's hard to even go there this morning, saying the phrase, God is good. Maybe your circumstances are so mundane or your life is so hard or things are really painful. So that saying that feels just really hollow. And I think that in those seasons, when it's really hard to say God is good, there's a few things that can help us remember his goodness. Number one, it's to recognize his goodness when adversity comes. His goodness does not mean that we're gonna receive everything that we ask for or want. God didn't say anywhere in the Bible that his sole goal is to make us happy. There are things that happen in our lives that are painful and unfair and sometimes feel very cruel. Sometimes those are things that we cause. Sometimes they're things other people cause. Sometimes they're just things that happen. But no, God is no less there regardless of why it happened. But sometimes his goodness is packaged differently than what we think it should be. We think his goodness should look like this, like answering our prayers exactly how we pray them. But it doesn't always work that way. I was talking to a dear friend recently about her cancer diagnosis. And it came on the heels of other things happening in our family. And she asked the question I think we all would ask. And that is, why did God allow this to happen? It's a question that I hate most as a pastor because I kind of feel this pressure of like, I should always have the right answer. But the reality is none of us are gonna have that answer here on earth. But it doesn't mean that God is not there even in the midst of our pain. In 2007, I was getting ready to live what I thought was gonna be my dream life. I got married in 2002. We had a beautiful baby girl in 2004. We had twin boys in 2006. So all of a sudden, I found myself uh, with three kids in 18 months. We had three cribs, three high chairs, three strollers, and about a billion diapers. And my husband and I looked at each other and thought, we need help. We can't keep doing this. I had lived in Texas since 2000 when I moved here to help start Hope. And so in this season though, as much as I loved ministry, I knew we need to move back to Nashville. We need to be near our family and get help. So in April of 2007, we moved back there. And for 10 days, we lived the dream life. We had grandparents over every day. We had more help than we could imagine. We went on date nights. Like we probably went on three date nights the very first week we were there. It was incredible. And then on April the 12th, 2007, everything changed. My dad received a diagnosis of acute lymphonic leukemia. And at that point, everything stopped in our lives. Our entire world, instead of getting help with the kids and babysitting and all of these things, it now revolved around managing three kids, a husband who's starting a new job, trying to help get dad to chemo appointments and doctor's appointments and uh, figure out all these medical terminology that we needed to learn to try to advocate for him. It was all consuming for us. Everything we did that year surrounded around cancer. 
and surviving this and balancing uh, taking care of my kids and my dad and my mom and my sister and my husband, all of these things. We got a really short reprieve in 2008 where he was in remission, which was incredible, such a gift to us. Um, But in 2009, in January of that year, his cancer came back more aggressive than ever. And then in February, my husband walked in the door with his box of belongings um, from work and said, hey, I got laid off today. That was scary. All of a sudden, now I have a dad with cancer, a husband with no job, a bunch of kids that I was exhausted (laughs) with, and I felt overwhelmed. I remember thinking, why in the world would God let this happen to me? I've always followed him. I've always served him. And I kept praying and praying, God, heal him. God, give us a job. God, provide. But I wasn't seeing the answers that I thought we should get. In March, my dad had his bone marrow transplant. In June, my husband and I recognized that we were not going to be able to afford our house. We had gone through all of our savings, so we had to move out and move in with my in-laws, which is tough when you're 30 years old with three kids. In July, the beginning of July, July 4th, actually, we got a report from my dad's doctor that said uh, after his 90-day test, after his bone marrow transplant, he was 100% cancer-free, and we were thrilled. We rejoiced in this. He was still struggling to gain strength. He was still trying to to get all uh, all of his faculties back and everything after going through such a hard transplant, but we were like, he's cancer free. We're done. This is great. Three days later, my dad got a cold, and a few days after that, that cold turned to pneumonia, and after three weeks in the ICU on July 30th, I held my dad's hand as my family and I surrounded him as he met Jesus. To say that I was broken would be putting it mildly. I was angry, I was frustrated, I was mad. I couldn't believe that God had not healed my dad. I found myself thinking this was not how I thought my life was gonna turn out. Nobody thinks you're gonna be broke with three kids to feed. Nobody dreams of a life where their dad is dead and he doesn't get to be the grandparent he always dreamed of being. Nobody wishes to see their family suffer through pain and grief and have to process all of that. Nobody wants all of that. Maybe some of you are here today and you're facing things that you never imagined you would. Sickness, loneliness, sadness, financial difficulties, whatever it is. If you're like me, I know you may think that your shattered dreams may left you wondering, where's God in all of this? Where is his goodness? All that goodness, I was so ready to live in. But I will tell you this, God knew exactly what was gonna happen in my life, even when I didn't. He knew all of the different seasons we were gonna go through. And I'm amazed when I look back and I think, I actually thought those were terrible things and they were hard things. They were painful, they were difficult but they were actually also gifts that God gave us. You see, my husband losing his job to us, that looked terrible. What could be worse? But when I look back, I recognize him being home with the kids meant I had the freedom to go spend as much time as I wanted with my dad during his transplant season, time that I had no idea was gonna be so short. To us, losing our house seemed like the worst thing ever. But only God knew that three short weeks after we moved in with my in-laws that my heart would be broken and that I would be so overcome with grief that I'd be basically incapacitated as a parent. 
And God gave me a mother-in-law who was the only constant in my kids' lives for months. She cooked and she cleaned for us and she took care of us and basically just gave me space to heal. Those were gifts of God's goodness. They weren't what I chose. They didn't look great to me, but those were all gifts. Now, when I go through difficult things, it doesn't mean that it, it definitely still hurts and I feel, still feel pain and sorrow and struggle, but I will say I have a different perspective. I look at things a little bit differently and try to see his gifts in the middle of my pain because they're always there. His presence is always available to us. In the book of Genesis, we see the story of Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob, whose brother sold him into slavery and then told his father he was dead. And he was purchased by these slave traders and sold to Potiphar, who was like a captain in Pharaoh's army. And so he went from bad situation to bad situation. He got to Potiphar's house and he had a little bit of a reprieve because he was seen as Potiphar's most trusted man for a while. And things kind of were looking up for Joseph. But then Potiphar's wife propositioned Joseph. And Joseph still chose to say no and stand strong to what he knew was right and then was wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown back into prison again. Don't you wonder if God, or if Joseph, don't you wonder if Joseph looked back and said, God, where are you in all of this? I mean, you know, Joseph had to have begged God, why are you not saving me? But I will tell you this, over and over in scripture, it says, that God still, the Lord showed him favor, that God was kind to him in the middle of slavery, in the middle of prison, in the middle of his hard stuff, the Lord was still opening doors and caring for him. We have to choose to recognize his goodness even in adversity. Number two, we have to choose to trust in God's goodness. Sometimes we feel like we're forgotten by God when we don't get the answers we want. And sometimes we think we know better than God. Sometimes I think I've looked at my life and things happening and I go, what are you even thinking? You have no idea how bad this is or how terrible this this is for my family. But God always knows the big picture, even when we don't. Isaiah 55, eight and nine says this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. So let's go back to Joseph. And, 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 and we'll look at chapter 50 in just a second. But in previous chapters, God eventually brings him out of prison. He, he has people remember him. He ends up being second command in all of Egypt. His brothers end up coming to him, begging for food because they're living in a famine. And he forgives them. He gives them food. There's this beautiful reconciliation. If you've never read the story of Joseph, I highly encourage you to go read it. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. But they have this beautiful reconciliation where all of his brothers and his father moved to Egypt, live near him. But after a few years, Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. And that's when Joseph's brothers start kind of panicking because they think, oh, maybe he only forgave us because dad was alive. We were really terrible. We caused so much pain in his life. How in the world could he have completely forgiven us and forgotten? So then they start getting really scared. And I want you to look at Genesis 50, verse 20 with me. And we can see Joseph's response to his brothers. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
You see, Joseph was able to trust in God's goodness and recognize his sovereignty, knowing that every painful experience that he went through brought fulfillment of God's plan in his life. God knew what he was doing with Joseph's life, even when Joseph did not. In his darkest hour, Joseph clung to that knowledge, even though he couldn't see what was ahead of him. And he trusted that God knew, even when he didn't know the outcome. I believe that God is right beside us sharing in our pain. He feels our pain when we go through it. He walks with us. He comforts us. He may not take it away, but he is always with us, an ever-present source of comfort. Our feelings and our emotions, they're going to tell us something different. Our feelings and emotions some kind of, sometimes say things like, um, it's not worth it. He's forgotten us. It doesn't matter. We don't matter. But that's when we have to hold on to the truth of what God's word says. The Bible is the only absolute truth. And so when our feelings and our emotions tell us one thing, we have to go back to scripture and say, what does God's word tell me about his goodness? Psalms 23, six says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? As a parent, I know the utter joy I get when I give my kid a gift. I love giving them something that they're really gonna be excited about. It's why my parents gave me that stupid doll. They didn't give it to me because I deserved it or because I was good enough. They gave it to me because they got great joy in giving me that gift. We do the same as parents. We love seeing our kids get gifts that make them happy. But then there are things that we have to watch our kids go through that are painful and hard, but no less important to the growth of our kids. You know, sometimes our kids get sick or need shots or medicine, and they don't like doing that. They don't like feeling that, but it is what's best for them. And we know that as parents, so that's why we have them do it. Sometimes we have to sit and watch our kid sit on the sideline of a sport they love playing because they've injured themselves. And we know they can't get in there and play because they'll hurt themselves even more. But it's hard to watch them feel pain. How much more do you think God feels pain when we feel it as his children? We live in a world where bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And sometimes our circumstances argue with us about whether or not God is good. Sometimes God's good plan for us unfortunately means going through pain and heartache and loss and sometimes even death. But I wanna tell you this, just because something doesn't feel good or look good does not mean that it's not for our good. Let me say that one more time. Just because something doesn't feel good or look good does not mean that it's not for our good. Whether we get the promotion that we prayed for or worked so hard for, whether we get healed of our sickness, whether our, our relationship is reconciled, regardless, we either trust God or we don't. And that's a decision that we have to make daily, every single day, because it's one that we can say pretty easily when we're on the mountaintop. We can say pretty easily when things are going good, I trust God. It's when we're in the middle of the really hard seasons do we really trust when we don't understand? When we choose to trust that God is good all the time, I think it frees us to take an ever-increasing step of faith. 
On the day that we buried my dad, I sat in the front row in the funeral and we played a song called Praise You in the Storm. It was kind of like our theme song throughout his entire sickness. And as that song began to play and as the words began to be sung, I remember sitting there, my heart hurt so bad, I thought it was gonna physically break. I was in so much pain, but I decided in that moment that I was gonna raise my hands as an act of surrender and worship to God. It didn't take away my pain. It didn't heal my hurt. But I decided that day that I'm not gonna live in bitterness and I'm not gonna live in anger and I'm not gonna allow my, this doubt to overcome me. I am choosing to trust God. I can't trust my feelings and emotions sometimes, so I'm gonna make the choice that I'm gonna choose to trust that this feels so bad, but I know that that doesn't change, that God is still good. And I'm so grateful that I still, to this day, can't imagine walking through that season without making that choice. I can't, uh, grief is hard enough. I can't imagine going through it without knowing I have the comfort and the peace of God with me and knowing that he is looking out for me and he is for me and he loves me. When it really comes down to it, for talking about evidence of God's goodness, I don't think there's any greater evidence than the fact that he sent his only son willingly to die on the cross for our sins, to conquer death, so that we could spend eternity with him. I think that's the ultimate gift of love that we could ever imagine getting. It's the ultimate example of goodness to us. So today, while some of you may be on the mountaintop, some of you may be in a really great season, you've come through really hard things, and if that's you, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad for you that you're enjoying that. Do not forget who carried you through that valley. And for some of us today, we may be in our darkest hour. Life may feel very chaotic and out of control, but I want to assure you that God is still very, very good. In just a few moments, we're gonna sing a song called The Goodness of God, and I wanna read you some of the lyrics of the song. It says, you have led me through the fire in the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father and I've known you as a friend and I've lived in the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful and all my life you've been so, so good. So with every breath that I'm able, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. My hope is that we'll all take time to meditate on these words this week. Regardless of where we are, ask ourselves, have I seen God's faithfulness and goodness in my darkest hours? And if I don't understand what comes next, can I still trust that God is good? Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for who you are, for all that you've done for us. God, as we begin to start a new year, God, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. God, that while we may have been unfaithful, you are always, always faithful, God. And regardless of where we find ourselves today, if we're in the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, God, I pray that you will open our eyes to see your goodness at work in our lives, to see the gifts that you've given us, to see the things that you have poured out for us, 
God, I pray that you will surround us with comfort, those that need it, that are in pain, and that feel lost, God, that you will help them feel your very presence today. God, we are so grateful for your goodness. Even when we don't understand, even when we don't know what's ahead, God, we trust that you have a plan and your plan is good. Thank you for all that you've done for us, for your never-ending love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.